Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The world breaks everyone, and afterward, some are strong at the broken places. Ernest Hemingway. There's no very clear or very succinct answer to it. I don't think anyone who is totally comfortable in their normal life would ever take on a project like this. I mentioned that this was intended to give me the most intimate experience possible. Uh, it turns out the most intense, the most intimate experience, uh, human experience I'm having is with myself. I can not only obtain, but maintain a clarity and peace of mind I've never been able to find under any other circumstances. If I'm really perfectly honest, this trek was was all along intended to give me the space to fix the brokenness that was within me. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another season of the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Yes, this is episode one of the fourth season of Stories and Hijinks from the Trail. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. How are we going to kick off the new season of the pod? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
First of all, I am very excited to announce that I am joined in studio this week by my highly irregular co-host, Chopper. How's it going, Chopper? Oh, it's great, Doc. Great to be back. Uh, it's been what, yeah, almost a year since I was last sitting here. We have we've not seen you in quite a quite a bit. So. And I, you know, most of the most of the audience is happy with that. So I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, just the normal stuff, you know, working, just kind of playing around. I think since the last time I was on the podcast, we did our trip to the southern half of the John Muir Trail last summer. Went with E and E's friend had a blast doing that. And right, just, we we got some guests out of that uh, hike. That's right, we did. We uh we had the uh, what was the little kid's name? Superhero. Superhero. And then you also met up with the uh, the guy that who was there the next day with the uh, one legged guy who went over to Whitney the day after us. So paralyzed to peaks. Was that, was that the? It was the guy. He was one day behind us. I think he walked by us in our campsite when we were getting ready. That's right. Yeah. We were going down uh, Whitney right. to the portal and he was, he was uh, cresting at that moment. I don't remember the one-legged guy. I remember the guy who had his neck broken in a jujitsu training accident. Was and, that the guy? I'm, I'm mixing up stories. I think okay, you're mixing right, up stories, right. but I've been watching a lot of YouTube and yeah. uh, other videos. Too, so it's like, <laughs> I don't keep track of them the same way you do. So you are a faithful listener. Yeah. I, 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 I listen. listen to every episode and I always do some chopper throwouts there. I appreciate you. it. You know, We'll get to those a little later. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to put some pressure on you tonight because you, you give me such a hard time about introducing some things. I'm going to put the pressure on you okay. All right. to introduce them. Very, oh, oh, excellent. Yeah, I'll yeah, be much better. Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll, see, we'll yeah. see how it goes. I'm good at improvising. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we are starting the season by talking about one of the longest trails you've never heard of yet. Today, we are talking with Jason O'Cook, a long trail through hiker and the mind behind the 16,000 mile footpath called the infinity loop. Welcome to the John freaking Muir pod, Jason. How's it going? Uh, going fantastic. I appreciate, I appreciate you having me. You know, and I just have to throw out there that your middle initial is O it's not that you are Irish and your last name is O cook. Well, he might be Irish, but yeah. he might, he might be Irish, <laughs> but, but it's not O cook. It's Jason O cook. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and having however, said my, that, I am I am I'm a little bit I'm a little bit jealous because I wish my mom had named me my middle name was Oliver or Othello because you know having having that O in the middle it has a certain flair. Yeah, you know, and there are uh, quite a few Jason Cooks, so there needed to be some some uh, differentiation. I I went to school in a small town. Uh, well, grew up in a small town, and when I was in school, there was actually another Jason Cook. Oh, what and uh, <laughs> right, and uh, he had straight hair. My hair is curly, so one of our teachers would uh, keep us apart because his middle initial was A, and he had straight hair, and my middle initial was O, and I had curly hair. So that's how she told us apart. <laughs> that was better than straight Jason, I guess. But you know. <laughs> Early Jason, straight Jason, <laughs> easy, easy chopper. <laughs> and now if you are, if you're listening to this podcast, you might want at some point, maybe at the end of the podcast, tune in on YouTube because it is, you're going to get a good look at where Jason is right now. <laughs> he, he's not in, he's not actually in studio with us. He's not even nope. in his studio at home. He's in a, a makeshift studio. Tell, tell us where you are, Jason. Uh, I am uh, a little bit outside of Cumberland Gap, Tennessee. I'm over on the Virginia side now. Um, I just finished up the Cumberland Trail, 
Uh, and we're expecting temperatures dropped drastically today. Uh, it was, you know, rainy and about 40 degrees all day today. And tonight it's dropping down into the high 20s, I believe. And uh, we're expecting uh, rain and snow with the possibility of a little accumulation, but I don't really expect any. Um, and some potentially some high winds, I guess even some tornadoes in some areas, uh, you know, kind of a par for the course at this point. So I'm hunkered down in my tarp and uh, in my bivy and, and my, uh, my quilt here. <laughs> wow. You just answered some serious questions exactly. already. This is, this is perfect. This is perfect. So you're calling from the trail. You're not even yes. in a tent. You're in a, you're in a tarp. You're under a tarp. Yes. Wow. And uh, I can see I, as you talk, I can see your, your breath uh, indicating how cold <laughs> it is there right now. So you got to, got to, got a knit cap on. You're trying to, trying to stay warm there. We appreciate yeah, you taking uh, the time. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I went to the uh, safety green knit cap cause I just finished up, uh, what was, uh, I guess over 800 miles of road walking. Um, okay. yeah, it, it really gets to you after a while. Um, but, uh, you know, the safety green seemed to be a, a just a good call. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to end up as a hood ornament. No, no. And some of these roads, you know, some of the back roads, there is no, no shoulder. So, uh, yeah <laughs> now good now, choices now hood ornament that might be a, a great trail name that would be a great well there would be know, a heck of a story behind that wouldn't it? there <laughs> depending on how you get the trail that, name that's right <laughs> um so yeah, speaking that, of trail names we only go by trail names here on the uh the podcast even though my name is being displayed right now on the youtube feed I'm going to have to change that. <laughs> now everybody knows. That's right. Don't, don't look at that. Okay, there we go. Um, I go by Doc. Of course, we've got Chopper. He's got a great story behind his trail name, as, as we all know. And if you want, uh, Jason, he can share that with you. But, but I, oh, I imagine I with all of your trail miles, you, you have had to have picked up a trail name along the way. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had a couple. Um, and when I started this trek i decided uh you know new trail new me uh and so i waited and on the first attempt of this trail then i was given the name eternal um and it's you know exactly what you'd expect it's uh they they, they said well you're an eternal hiker so your name should be eternal and i was like cool i'll go with it <laughs> now That's eternal eternal if 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 uh if i was a hiker and i was on the infinity trail right you're gonna be out there for a long time right infinity is yeah. a long time uh yeah. <laughs> I, I might i might have called you sisyphus Wow, that's a stretch. That's, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. What, what do you mean, Sisyphus? That's the guy that pushes the rock up the hill eternally. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good one. That, there is a reason a why we one. call him Doc, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, I don't think too many of people, too many people around me at the point had uh, had 
quite quite that deep of an education in Greek. It doesn't mythology. flow either. If you're going to yell out, if you know, watch out for the you rock, know, Sisyphus. Guess, it just it doesn't flow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess you could shorten it to sissy or something. That's it, true. <laughs> I have made a point on previous episodes about long trail names and the hazards of having a polysyllabic uh, trail name. It gets too long. By the time they get your trail name out, the tree has already fallen on you. Exactly. I, I did meet a timber who got their trail name that way at one point as well. And uh, yeah, pretty cool person. Pretty cool hiker. <laughs> I talked I talked to an AT hiker on one episode who set up his, it was too crowded in the shelter. So he, he set up outside, set up his tent and a tree branch fell on him. He had to be rescued <laughs> by the uh, shelter <laughs> sleepers in the middle of the night. So, yeah. Well, right. I mean, on the bright side, that's that's a uh, that's the upside of having lots of hikers around. I guess is you got someone to save you from the falling tree limb. <laughs> that's right. At crowded, lots of lots of people to help out. Other trails not so crowded. I mean, you might be on your own out there if if this had happened somewhere else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Cumberland Trail. I just finished it up, and it, it's not complete yet. Uh, I went in, uh, I think it was Crossville, Tennessee. I went into the, uh, CTC really cool people. And I love what they're doing there. But, uh, they said, Hey, when you get to La Follette and that section between La Follette and Cumberland gap, could you let us know how that looks? Um, cause we haven't been up there in a while and, and we, we don't really know what that part of trail looks like right now. So, um, and you know, it's, it's, in a lot of places, what you would expect in, in those circumstances, but uh, there's also some really, some really nice sections with, with plenty of markings, but uh, uh, this entire trail, I saw very few people. Um, you know, there's been a lot of others. Uh, the Guadalupe Ridge Trail, didn't see another hiker the entire time. Uh, you know, there's plenty of times, the, the 700 mile bushwhack across the desert um, obviously there was no one out there. Um, you know, so there's definitely times where there is no one out there. Uh, and then I get to a large trail and it's a huge culture shock. <laughs> uh, you know, do you so prefer to, do you prefer to hike by yourself and uh, be out there all by yourself? Or do you like to kind of mix and match with different groups? You know, I like, I like both. Um, it, it's really nice to have, it, at least for the length of time that I'm with other hikers uh, on these bigger trails, um, it is really nice to have that company of someone who is doing the same thing at the same time. Um, but then it's also really nice to get out uh, on my own and, and have that time to, uh, I guess, you know, be, be with myself and be with nature and and uh, confront it on my own terms, I suppose. Okay. Hey, Eternal, I know that you mentioned that you had listened to a couple of episodes of yes. the podcast. Okay. So you are familiar with a segment that we have towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That is where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Uh, yes, uh, I appreciate the reminder because <laughs> it had already slipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want you to, to feel free to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you're still on the hook at the end there for the official one. Ah, okay. I'll, I'll try to save something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Now, 
Here we go. I'm going to try something new. The must bring gear review. <laughs> That's right. Yes. We are uh, at that time where we talk about the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, six moon designs. And here's how it works. If you're to let a stranger eternal pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So eternal, what is your must bring piece of gear? I mean, for me, it's a stove in general. Um, I, food is my luxury item. You know, that's, I, I will gladly carry extra weight, uh, you know, just to make sure I eat well and, and being able to cook on trail is, uh, is very important to that. Um, you know, one of the things I've been doing a lot more of lately is like pancakes and, and stuff like that. Nice. Um, We've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, a stove really of any sort. Um, I, I, I do carry a, you know, not all the time, but I, I have a selection of stoves to carry for appropriate conditions. Um, but even, even on a day hike, I like to uh, stop at a nice overlook or, or something like that or a peak and you know have a cup of coffee or cocoa or something along those lines uh but yeah for a multi-day oh gotta have it now chopper next time we do towsley we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna sit down on the trail pull the stove out make some cocoa excellent uh, cocoa maybe some uh dehydrated scrambled eggs or something oh nice yeah very good pancakes i love the pancakes oh, i'm a big yeah, pancake man. guy i mean pancakes on the trail that would that i'll bring would... the waffle iron Nice. <laughs> Man, I, uh, so I was out uh, over Thanksgiving. I was crossing uh, a desert in uh, New Mexico at that time. And I happened to go through a place and find some, uh, some ripe uh, prickly pear tunas or the, the prickly pear fruits. So I foraged those and uh, made a prickly pear honey compote and made some pancakes and uh, served the pancakes with peanut butter and prickly pear uh, uh, honey compote and chia seeds. And that was a, that was a really good uh, little treat for myself for Thanksgiving. That's a nice improvising too on the trail with the prickly pears. In fact, oh, I, yeah. think, I think your trail name should be prickly pear honey compote. <laughs> that is a lot of that's a lot of syllables yeah that's, it turned out a little bit easier to say yeah. <laughs> oh excuse me there okay <laughs> now let's see where were we sorry about that you, you mentioned weight you mentioned weight so are you, and you mentioned comfort so are, i'm assuming that your pack is not one of those uh eight to ten pound ultra ultra light packs you are you are you're packing for comfort there uh, well, I mean, consider the magnitude of what I'm doing. You know, I'm not talking about uh, a 2000 mile hike. I'm talking about a multi-year hike, you know, and it's, it's not something where, okay, I, well, I can, I can push through for a little while and, and be okay. It's, I'm, this is my lifestyle for, for the time being, you know, and that you have to make some concessions in order to, uh, in order to maintain sanity. 
And, Agreed. you know, there's also the, uh, the physical aspect, uh, just ensuring my, my diet is on, on, on point for keeping my body able to continue doing this, this sort of thing. Okay. We are going to move to our next segment. Okay. It's the hiking pole. <laughs> and this is the one that Chopper gives me such a hard time about. So I'm going to go ahead and let Chopper introduce this one. So the reason I enjoy this is because Doc loves so much the little pun of the hiking pole. And he said, uh, yes, it, it's a pole, like P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E, every time. And it, I can just tell the smile that's on his face when he's saying it. No, I, eyebrows are raised like, huh? Huh? Anybody get that? Everybody get that? And it's, I just enjoy it every time. Now, as soon as I told you that, I get a shout out every time. It's, that's it's, right. That's I right. love it. I feel, like, I feel like I was a little clever there. So it is clever. Yeah. I mean, no, it is clever. And I, I definitely appreciate it. It's no that Sisyphus, but, you know, clever. <laughs> <laughs> so the hiking pool is a seven question survey designed to get at your level of sanity. Okay. And I have to let you know, uh, I score you on a scale from zero to 100 with 100 being completely sane and zero or maybe one maybe is one, maybe yeah. one zero is the lowest be, yeah. score yeah being completely well, bonkers and there is an automatic you should know right now there's an automatic 20 point deduction if you are a long trail hiker because you know you have to be a bit <laughs> crazy to do that just, just out of the gate that's right so you you already your highest score possible eternal is 80 well um i've got some friends who are trying to convince me to rename this the insanity loop so uh this should be interesting <laughs> okay and you in your earlier comments i mean our regular listeners will, will realize that you've already answered some of these questions but we're going to go ahead and ask you anyway and feel okay. free to give a little bit of explanation as to why you you answer the way you do okay okay you ready i am let's first do question all right trekking poles or no trekking poles uh, so I started out with trekking poles and I still highly recommend them for, for most people. Um, over the course of this trek, uh, well, there are times when you, after so many thousand miles, you, you kind of realize, hey, man, I, I feel like I just leveled up, you know, both right. mentally and physically and everything. Um, and then uh, I was... Uh, last time I used trekking poles, I was crossing the desert, uh, the Mojave Desert, and daytime temperatures were already like about 100 degrees. And uh, so I was taking a siesta one day and my pack was sitting out in the sun with my trekking poles. And my trekking pole got so hot that it melted the glue on one of the tips. Oh, wow. And the tip just fell off. <laughs> so <laughs> I hate when the tip falls off. That's, that's nature's <laughs> way of saying it's time to, uh, you know, let's sit in the shade for a bit. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I, uh, I said, well, I guess I'll go without trekking poles for a while. And I, I, I had one and I, it just stayed in my, just put away in my backpack for, for a good while. And I carried it for, I don't know, another thousand miles or so like that. And finally decided, you know what? I think I might have graduated to beyond trekking poles at this point, um, which obviously using a tarp makes that a little more difficult, but uh, I think we can get the, that one in a moment. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I feel like at this point, uh, 
trekking poles, no. Um, I, I really don't really don't want to go back. I mean, I enjoy them for certain times for uh, river crossings mostly, but uh, but most of the time, I, I really enjoy having my hands free and 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 just uh, kind of going with the flow. Now, Chopper, in the scoring rubric, is that is that a deduction or is that an addition? I'm going to say it's excellent answer because it was very logical, very thoughtful. But no, but, but, but no trucking poles is an automatic deduction. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, eternal, I, I have to lot, ask actually. you, eternal, I have to ask you is what is the protocol for, for your normal hiker on an 800 mile road walk? Do you use trekking poles on a road or not? Uh, I would, uh, but what I did, uh, what I used to do on something like that would be get the rubber tips, right. uh, but not the, not the regular rounded rubber tips, the rocking rubber tips. And those seem to be the best bet. Uh, okay. but you only get, you only get maybe a hundred, 200 miles out of them before you have to replace them. Oh, <laughs> okay. But, but I think the important part is it depends on where you are. If you're, if you're river crossing, if you're going up really steep, going down really steep, then they're huge. Right. If you're doing a long walk, straight level, you can live with that. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my, my trekking pole technique when I was using them, even when I was on flat ground, they were propelling me forward and, and helping me move faster, farther. Yeah, you got a rhythm. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was based on cross-country skiing, more or less, the way I, was, mm. way I would use them. Um, and uh, yeah, they were great for downhill because I, my technique is really more about directing the flow of energy rather than uh, trying to halt it. Uh, and I, I feel like working with physics rather than against it tends to uh, give me the, a, a, better, um, a better time. I have a better right. time. He just, he just added two points. <laughs> yeah, working yeah. working with physics is always a plus. <laughs> Absolutely. Instead yes. of running into that wall, you know, go over it or around it. All right. Exactly. Welcome to the next one. So and, and, oh, go ahead. what I really like about this is this, the fact that he he stated that he leveled up. He's leveled up. Yes. I'm still, I, I think I've dropped a couple of levels. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm leveling usually, up, that's impressive. I usually feel like I'm tipping over is why I like to have hiking balls. <laughs> Oh, it, the tipping over comes before the leveling up. Yes, yes. You, you've you've evolved more than we have. Well, all right. Are you are you into? Uh, do you wear boots or do you wear trail runners? Oh, trail runners uh, for sure. Um, right. The only time I'll wear boots is in extreme extreme conditions. Uh, even when it's you know I'd say normal post holing and and snowy conditions, I'll. I'll do trail runners with waterproof socks and then back those up with, you know, a good uh, winter waterproof sock and then back those up with a merino wool or something along those lines. And then uh, that seems to work really well. Um, if it's super extreme, then yeah, it's probably a better bet to go with a boot. Excellent. Well, I think we already know the answer to this one. Tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or cowboy camping? Uh, my preferred is cowboy camping. Okay. Um, I'm in the part of the country now where, and during the time of year where cowboy camping is becoming almost an impossibility, even on clear nights, dew is so heavy that you'll wake up soaked. Um, but that is my preference. Uh, otherwise I'll do a tarp and bivy combo. Um, and this gives me the greatest, uh, 
uh, versatility across landscapes and, and across climates. Um, and I'm, most of my system is set up to be modular uh, so that I can change out various components uh, as I encounter varying terrains or climates. From all the folks you've uh, given the trekking pole to, does anybody on the East Coast cowboy camp or is that just pretty much a West side uh, type of thing? I think most of the folks that have said that they cowboy camp have been it's folks PCT, around the PCT. Yeah. yeah. I just can't imagine yeah. all the stories from the, uh, the AT is it's just too wet, too many bugs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, even bugs aside, it's just so wet. Like yeah. I said, the, uh, the, 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 the dew itself, you wake up drenched if you try to cowboy camp yeah. you know, it's, and it's, and, and it's, being, being wet is no fun. No, it's not. <laughs> Unless that's how you incorporate your, your bathing times. I mean, you just get up in the morning and <laughs> kind of shake off like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. People bathe. I forgot about that. <laughs> we should add that to the list. Bathing or no bathing? <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good one. I'm, I'm adding that one. That's good. <laughs> okay. Again, I think we already have the answer to this one. Sleeping bag or quilt? Uh, I am carrying a 10 degree uh, El Coyote Alpha Light right now. Um, it is a quilt, uh, but it is part of a modular system, like I mentioned, uh, including a bivy and a liner. Um, the bivy I'm using right now is actually a jungle bag and it's rated to 45 degrees in itself. And then in conjunction with a liner and the 10 degree bag, I can actually, and then, you know, base layers and stuff like that. Uh, the puffy pants and puffy jacket are wonderful layers as well. Um, then uh, I can usually get down to about say negative 15 or so. Oh, wow. wow that, that is not a place I want to sleep outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> now eternal, let me ask you a question. Is there, are, are you able to zip up that bivy completely? Uh, as you sleep overnight net. or is there a, is there a warning note like in mine that I did not read that says, do not zip ah, this up completely. Uh, so you don't suffocate. They don't include a snorkel with, in the package. Right. I heard that with Chili Mac and <laughs> you know, I started, I, my mind, I was like, okay, I've already been thinking about this design. So, you know, I, that's something that I, it, it reinforced in my, my design that I'm building the prototype uh, coming up here soon. Um, uh, I'm incorporating something to alleviate that issue. You need but, a snorkel uh, or a chimney or some sort of flu or something on yours. Can you, can you right. put a, can you, can you, can we get some royalties on that or maybe a <laughs> shout out that, you know, doc uh, gave you that idea? Oh, we'll, we'll name it after you. How about that? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> It'll be the doc baby. <laughs> the doc baby. Nice. Um, but, uh, this one, the one I'm currently carrying has a bug net. And so it's, uh, it's not a, like a full on bivy. Um, like I said, it's more of a jungle bag, but the reason I carry it is I'm also carrying the tarp and it being winter. Uh, it, it's a, a piece of my modular system that I can change out as it gets warmer and things like that. And then so I you go th with you'll like throw the, the bivy underneath the tarp and just kind of get extra layer of protection. Right. Got uh, or yeah, because I mean, my tarp is a seven by nine. I can pretty much fully enclose myself anyway. Um, so there's, I don't necessarily need a full MSR Alpine bivy or something like yeah. that. Not for yeah. where I'm at this time right now. 
And if you're under the tarp, you could leave it cracked open, so to speak. Exactly. Now, what is your preferred tarp pitch? Uh, Currently, I'm using the A-frame, but I mean... It's it really depends on on the terrain the that I'm in at the time. Um, I, I heard you talking about the uh, oh what is it offset um, asymmetric asymmetrical holding asymmetrical holding yeah. yes <laughs> and uh, I do that quite a bit and I love it. Um, uh, but I've also done things where there's a giant down tree and I get into the, the crotch between the, uh, between two big limbs. And I, you know, use that as the framework for my tarp. I mean, uh, or really it's, it's just about using my terrain as intelligently as possible to make me as comfortable as possible. Uh, and that allows me to, you know, get into some worse situations than I might otherwise be able to get into so you alluded to that earlier when you said not taking your trekking pole impacts your tarp setup is that how you improvise is just whatever's around uh yeah how i have been lately and uh that's made easier by being on the east coast on the west coast it it can be a lot bigger problem or you know across the prairies or something along those lines obviously that's not possible uh especially somewhere out like on the prairies where you know, there's just nothing. Um, <laughs> you might have a little scrub brush or something, but it's not going to hold up a tarp. No. <laughs> um, but so being out here, I can get away with that, you know. Got it. Okay. I think we touched on this one already too. Stove, cold soak or stoveless? Oh, definitely not stoveless. Oh God. That sounds just horrible. <laughs> um, uh, That's how I feel about cold soak. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I do incorporate cold soak occasionally for midday meals uh, because I can throw it in in the morning. I can pull it out, uh, you know, midday and just eat while I walk. Um, but I also incorporate things like making burritos the night before and, uh, and then taking them and have those for during the day. And I can just keep cruising and and just pull them out. And, you know, with between two burritos, I've got 1200 calories or something like that. That's a, that's a nice fill up for the midday. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, So, uh, so stove for sure <laughs> i agree uh, i'm the same way a nice warm meal it's it's worth the, a little bit of extra weight oh uh, last yeah. last time we were up in the in the sierras doc was trying to try the try to do the cold soak and he gave it up about halfway through we were halfway we're, through the rest of us were sitting I, around two days in i think i gave it up because of the fire situation we couldn't have a campfire which was horrible but oh, so yeah we're sitting around the fire ring with nothing and nothing in it and, and that warm meal, it was just, it's huge. Yeah, I was chewing oh, on my cold, my cold food and was not having a lot of fun. We kept offering. We were like, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Good time. Oh, that's just, see, I realize I have some masochistic tendencies, but <laughs> that just seems overboard to me. What, what, I think, <laughs> what I think got you was the smell. When we were cooking, we were all talking about, oh, that smells so good or whatever, whatever, whatever the person was making. We were all commenting, and he was just with his cold ramen, just yeah, what, staring what, at his. What I was eating didn't have a good smell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that that brings up another good point. Uh, I, I utilize things like the Maillard reaction, where 
you know, it, maybe it's a spam single or something and you just dice it up, you sear it off in whatever fat you're carrying at the time. Mm -hmm. And that browned meat, which is what the Maillard reaction describes, uh, that seems to help satiate my hunger considerably that, and obviously making sure I'm getting adequate nutrition. Right. Uh, but, but just, you know, those types of things, they, they really lead towards maintaining sanity. Yeah. For me, that's the difference. It's just, it feels yeah. comfortable. It feels like I'm, I'm in a safe place. I'm in a good spot. You know what yeah. chopper? I should have left one of these buttons as the applause button. <laughs> okay. Cause this, this is a congratulatory moment for eternal. It, this is, this is like episode 151 of the podcast and you are the first person to bring up the Mayard reaction. So congratulations. <laughs> well, I you should win some kind of prize for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> when we go on the break, I'm gonna look up Meyer and React. <laughs> all right, we'll keep moving here. So, on all the trails and everything you've done, is life better above the tree line or below the tree line? Oh, I do love above tree line. Um, unless the weather gets really crappy and I'm trying to camp. <laughs> that's and fair. Then that's when I want to be below tree line. Uh, but yeah. I, as much as I can be above tree line, that's, that's my preference. Um, but like I said, camping, it's almost always below, uh, just because again, utilizing my surroundings as much as possible. Perfect. All right. Last one. This is a new one. Do you pack for comfort or for speed? Uh, I try to do a little bit of both, but, um, uh, but I, I tend to lean, uh, lean more towards comfort. <laughs> Good choice. Well, uh, I guess it depends on what I'm doing. You know, if it's just a, if it's just a long trail, then, then sure. I'll, I, I, I am more willing to give up some comforts. Um, but something like this, then I, I tend to lean heavily towards comfort. And very few people say just a long trail. So I think we got a deduction on right. that one. So a chopper before, before you do, before you do your tabulation, I just want to point out that in every single one of his answers, there was no clear cut answer. It was, it was, it depends. It, you know, my, my, my surroundings, my environment, eternal is obviously an expert hiker yes. with a lot of insight, a lot of experience. Uh, and so some of our more obvious deductions, I'm not sure if they apply or not, but I'm going to let you go ahead and no, I mean, let, let me get my uh, slide rule out yeah. and, uh, <laughs> calculations. You gotta, yeah, gotta carry the two and let's see this, this one's divided by six in this case. And then, uh, we'll add pie, add uh, pie. So <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm coming okay. up with a, with a strong 72 and it, a lot of oh. it has to do with the qualification of the answers. It was very logical. It was very thoughtful about where i am and what situation and so i, I think i think eternal is very very strong uh, on, on, the, on the crazy scale yeah if we if we well, had just I gone with this, if we had just gone with the straight answers without any kind of explanation or exposition right. we easily could have been like a 47 yes oh yeah <laughs> right the fact the fact that he's on, on the trail that he's on right now yeah yeah 62 max yeah the fact that he's expecting <laughs> snow tonight and he's in a bivy yeah i mean right yeah but you know you did a great job eternal that's a, that's a, oh. a solid 72, 72, 72. Wow. Let's go with that. I, okay. I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> I also grade a lot lighter than doc. You know, he's, he's, he's more, he's got a teaching background and I'm more about, you know, empowering people. I let, well, I let I, chopper have the red pen tonight. So there you go. 
I, I appreciate it. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Now, hey, before we get to our, our break here, what I'd like to do is just have a uh, uh, have you share a little bit about your background, have us uh, get to know you in terms of, you know, where you grew up, what kinds of hobbies and sports you did uh, when you were maybe high school age and how you got involved in the through hiking cult. Cause uh, that's what it is. It's a cult, any, any organization or, or uh, group that gets you to camp in the dirt for, in your case, for years on end. I mean, it has to be a cult. It's gotta be a cult. Yeah, it's definitely a cult. Um, and I say that with no uh, judgment. I'm just, it's just stating yeah. a fact. Yeah, I, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> you're afraid of the, the cult followers on Twitter coming after you. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get canceled by that group. Good job. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess let's, uh, let's go to early years. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, so basically, I grew up in a small town uh, in eastern North Carolina. Uh, we were primarily tobacco, corn, and soybean farmers. Um, and Is that a special variety of corn, tobacco corn? <laughs> tobacco corn, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, there was a, put there was put a that in your pipe of, and smoke it. <laughs> yeah. corn I'm not pipe, sure right? how that would work. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, mo- you know, most of our time was spent outside. That it w- uh, we would go camping, but something like backpacking was there was no reason anyone would do that <laughs> you know <laughs> so when you say we as a siblings your parents or who uh just uh, I, I guess the friends the, the general consensus uh among the community and the, the folks among amongst who i grew up gotcha uh, um and so and and of course i was included in that at that time um, and then I went off to college. I went to UNC Chapel Hill um, and was planning to go into med school, um, ended up joining the army uh, and did that for a while and got, you know, realized uh, obviously this is not for me, but I think the, uh, the, the, that's, I guess part of where I, I got into backpacking, you know, because it was, or I guess I, get, I, I began to get a concept of what backpacking could be, um, which is a terrible place to get a concept of backpacking uh, because it's done all wrong. <laughs> Carry a lot of weight. <laughs> yes. Um, and then get shot at. That's, you know. <laughs> All right. Good, good point. Uh, That's more important. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I've also been an endurance, endurance athlete pretty much all my life. Started out in track and field and those sorts of things. Um, went on to triathlons and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, and basically... Uh, got into backpacking via route finding and picking points on the map and seeing places where I said, Hey, that's a cool place. I want to go see that up close and would just make a route and, uh, did a lot of that started to get into more trails, um, as I started to learn about them. And uh, 
finally did uh, the Colorado trail and was like, all right, this works for me. Let's, let's keep this going. You found your people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this incredible trail that you have put together, the infinity loop. And I have a funny story to share when we come back about Dan Chopper's understanding of the infinity loop. So stay tuned <laughs> for right. that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. Chopper and Doc are talking to Eternal, who's currently out on the trail, huddling under a tarp in, what, what would you say, 30-degree weather? Uh, yeah, I think it's about 32 right now. Okay. All right. Very good. We heard a little bit about uh, your background and growing up. We went through the hiking pole, all that, all that other good stuff. Let's talk about some, some tales of adventure from the, from the trail before we get to uh, the infinity loop. So what, what types of other adventures have you had out on the trail? Uh, so-called type two fun, the fun, right. the, the type of fun that's not, it's not too fun when it's happening, but it's a lot of fun talking about it afterwards. Oh, that's, uh, you know, that's some of my favorite kind of fun. Uh, mostly I, I think it's the same addiction that, uh, that, uh, most through hikers suffer from and it's that that feeling of power and 
you know, anything is possible. I did this crazy thing. I can do anything, you know, uh, I, I, and that, that feeling is addicting. And I think most through hikers will understand it for sure. Um, and since we're talking about cold climates, I understand you had a bit of a cold night on the, uh, Oh, how do you pronounce that rim? Mogollon? Mogollon. Mogollon rim. Uh, it's named after, I want to say the first governor of the territory or something. It was a conquistador, I believe. Um, Anyway, uh, the Mogollon Rim is the, the southern edge of the Colorado Plateau in Arizona. Um, and yes, I had a pretty interesting night. Uh, I had spent a couple of days waiting out rain and 35 degree temperatures in town. And it stopped raining and it started to get colder. And so I said, man, this is great. I got to go. And uh and then it started snowing and I was out in the middle of, I, I want to say it was Coconino National Forest. I can't remember the name of the national forest, but it was, um, it was basically out in the middle of nowhere. And I, by the time I set up camp one night, uh, the snow was about mid-calf. And uh, so I set up camp and woke up the next morning and dug myself out. Uh, it had dumped, it was, it was up to my nipples at that point. It had dumped, uh, about 48 inches overnight. Uh, so I dug a snow cave and stayed there that night. And then the next day I, uh, I was like, well, I need, I want to try and get out. Um, so I started making my way out and that was not working because you can only imagine trying to plow through nipple deep snow and uh then by the time well i i finally was getting just super fed up and hit stepped in a hole and next thing i know the top of the snow is two to three feet above me and I'm having to like dig steps out and then work my way back up to ground level. <laughs> you were longing for the good old days of nipple high snow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and shortly thereafter, I happened to see this old dilapidated barn through the trees. And I said, oh, that is where I'm staying. I'm going there now. <laughs> and so I went over to the barn. I mean, it was a hundred feet and it probably took me 10 minutes at least, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, stepped into a, a dry dirt floor and, uh, started, went out and collected some firewood and made a fire and got everything dried out and warm. And, uh, made food and cocoa and giggled like a schoolgirl in dirt bag luxury. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then over the next day I made snowshoes and the following day I started to get myself out with those snowshoes and they failed horribly. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I continued on anyway, and then I got a little bit farther. And fortunately, uh, the weather had cooperated. And by that time, it had the snow had melted a bit and 
it got down to where it was about uh, knee deep and then it started to get a little lower. And finally I found a freshly plowed uh, fire control road. And I only had, I think 17 miles or something to get to a town from there. And the only thing between me and town food was miles. And so I just cruised. Um, but since then, I, uh, I can guarantee you, I will never have failing snowshoes again when I have to make them. That is a, that is a, uh, a skill that I have been working on mastering and I promise you it's not going to happen again. <laughs> it almost, almost sounds like a pro tip there, Eternal. That's right. Yeah. And a couple of things there, a lot of information you just gave us. I have a couple of follow-up questions okay. or observations. First observation is, you know, Chopper and I, we, we got caught in some bad weather. I put those, I put yeah. that in your quotes, bad weather as we were trying to uh, summit uh, San Gregonio here in, in Southern California. And that was miserable. Just trying to put up our tents in that cold yeah. weather. The fact that you are setting up tent in calf high snow. I yeah. mean, you are a lot tougher than we are. We're, we're Southern California <laughs> no. boys. So when you said calf high snow, I was like, I'm going to die. It just, I would, you know, let, well, let alone get to my nipples. And then, well, yeah, the, I'm, the, I'm not going to lie. That was one of those points where I was like, this might be where I die. <laughs> <laughs> and then also eternal, I wanted to ask how tall you were, because if your nipples are at 48 inches, I just want, is that a standard height? Are you taller than normal? Are you shorter than normal? I have no, I don't have the perspective. I'm five nine. So I'm five nine. Okay. So All right. Roughly nipple height. Okay. You know. Roughly nipple height. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, it's good. <laughs> Anything else? Don't move, on, move off nipples. Move on, Chopper. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the items in the notes said that uh, you shared with Doc was a, with this was this story that I have to find out about about being followed by the KKK. That's just not oh, something that pops up every day. Yeah. Uh, no, and I definitely wasn't expecting it to pop up that day. You know, you uh, you never just wake up and say, "I think I'm going to get chased by the KKK today." It's not um, on my priority list, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, but alas, there I was. Um, it was on the first attempt of the Infinity Loop, and I had crossed the Mississippi River in St. Louis this time, or that time. And it was a big deal, because if you're doing a, an east-west crossing of, of the, the country, you have to take into consideration where you cross the Mississippi. That's, I mean, there are only so many places you can do it on foot. So this was a big deal because, you know, I was, I was over a thousand miles into this thing and, you know, actually doing it. And uh, so at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that feeling of power and like, you know, I can do anything. And I, so I, I crossed the, the bridge and turned south to follow the river for a couple of hundred miles uh, heading towards the Penhody in Alabama. And uh, as I get farther away from uh, East St. Louis, I'm, I'm getting into seeing places that have significant uh, historical value, you know, earthen mounds from ancient civilizations and things like that. I'm seeing this beautiful river country, um, you know, and, and, learning about the, the, the entanglements of that area with the founding of this country. And it's just a wonderful time. And I'm, you know, I'm riding on cloud nine 
And all of a sudden I start seeing uh, looks from drivers as I'm heading into the next town. And it's making me very uncomfortable. By this point, I'm used to the odd stare. You know, that's that's no big deal. But this this was Chopper, a little different. Chopper too. He's used to the odd stare too. You're not from around these parts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and so the the closer I came to the confluence of the Ohio and the Mississippi rivers, uh, the stranger these looks got. And I get close to to a town, and I really needed to get groceries. I was running out of food, so. Uh, I'm just cruising along and all of a sudden this pickup just wheels around, uh, flips a U-turn and he hits the accelerator and he starts flying the bird as he's going by. And I'm like, all right, well, that's a first, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of aggressive. Uh, so just kind of instinctively, I, I sped up a little bit. And at this point, I'm, I'm noticing people are definitely following me. You know, I'm seeing the same vehicles over and over. And, you know, this is, this is clearly not somewhere I want to be. And a few minutes later, uh, another truck pulls up and it's between me and the nearest wood uh, tree cover. And basically, I have nowhere to go. And the windows are tinted. And so I just stop and I'm looking at this dark tinted window. And it comes down and this woman is looking at me and she says, you need to get in the truck right now. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is is, so it, is their version of trail magic? Uh, I, well, you know, honestly, I'm not entirely certain if she was entirely a good Samaritan or part of the plot uh i i i want to lean towards good samaritan but honestly it could go either way um but uh the first thing she says to me is this is clan country you are not welcome here you are to get what you need and get out uh you will be followed until you make it across that river uh yes ma'am i'm out of here yeah, I said, I said, yeah, they've, they've already been following me. Um, and she said, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you are not to be here. They don't like anybody that's not from here. So uh, we're going to get you to the grocery store and, and then you're going to get across that bridge. All right, great. Let's, let's do it. And so we continue to talk and, uh, and she starts talking about the dark cloud that's hanging over this place. And uh, she hands me a rosary and tells me that she's going to be praying that I make it across that bridge alive. And I said, well, I, I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I never turned down uh, prayers, hugs or chocolate. So uh, this seems like a good time. I could use some prayers. Um, and uh about that time, I see the truck that had flipped me off fly up uh, next to us. Right before that, a box truck from a local furniture store had pulled in front of us. And I saw a semi pulling a full load of logs coming up behind us. So the, the truck comes flying up beside of us. And I see it, and the first thing that hits my mind is, oh, this isn't good. And uh, about that time, the truck in front of us hits his brakes. The, uh, 
the semi loaded with log trucks slams into the back of us. And it wasn't enough to actually do any damage. It was, um, it was just enough to get us to stop. And so we pull over. Uh, well, the box truck pulls over first into a, uh, into a driveway. We go back past that. We pull over. The semi pulls over behind us. And the truck that, uh, that had flipped me off pulls up into a side road a few hundred feet ahead. Um, she gets out, goes around to, you know, do what you do after an accident. And my pack is in my lap because at this point I'm like, I don't really want to be separated from this. <laughs> you know? I'm getting ready to run. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I look around and there's nowhere to run. Uh, there it's all open field, um, for, you know, a good hundred yards. Uh, and I'm not fast enough to outrun bullets. Um, and so I look around and they've, they're all sitting there with guns waiting, waiting to do whatever needs to be done, I guess. And uh, so I finally get out, I stretch my arms up, you know, so they can see I'm not armed. And uh, about that time, the guy in the semi jumps out of his truck and comes running to me. Don't I know you? <laughs> no, sir. I'm just passing through. Uh he said, you know, and he asked me several more questions. Uh, no, sir, I'm, uh, I'm on a 16,000 mile hike around the country. I'm just trying to get across that river and I'll be out of here. And he just looked at me. I swear I could know. I swear I know you. And then he just backed up and they talked for a while and I'm looking around and uh, they've, they've all got, you know, they've got me surrounded with guns and I'm like, man, this, this it's kind of a shitty situation. <laughs> Eternal, you should have told him, you know, I, I get mistaken for Brad Pitt all the time. I'm not him. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they were not in the mood for joking. <laughs> now, when you got out of the truck and you said you put your hands over your over your head, I thought you're going a different direction. I thought this was like similar to how you would deal with a bear. You make yourself real big yeah. when you're dealing well, with the I mean, clan. You know what I mean? You want to well, seem imposing. That's what, well, that's how you deal with the clan. Yeah. Get large and imposing. That's right. Get large well, and imposing. And so there is a very similar aspect in in terms of that. You know, uh, you you don't want to make yourself seem aggressive, but you don't want to make yourself seem easy prey. Um, and uh, by letting them know, hey, I'm not armed, then it was saying, okay, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to attack you. Uh, so don't attack me. Let's, let's discuss this thing. And, uh, and then when I, after I realized they had, uh, if they were going to make a move, it would already be done. Right. Then I realized they were just kind of screwing with me at that point. And so I, I relaxed a little bit and I started stretching because, because my, my, uh, my legs, they, 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 they tighten up as yeah, soon as I chance. Out, basically. Yeah. Eternal, um, I think it may have been also the fact that you dropped that you're on a 16,000 mile hike. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, making yourself big. And also the fact that you probably hadn't, hadn't bathed in about three weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, that usually doesn't help with them not believing that I'm <laughs> or, you know, believing I'm not homeless. Uh, <laughs> they believe uh, you're not from these parts. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that had something to do with it. And, and, 
basically they ended up letting me go and uh they followed me the entire way and they would kind of hand me off from one escort to the next and uh one would stop and honk his horn and i'd turn around and he'd do the little pointy finger shooty thing at you at me and nice um uh and hey, did you, i just did you get right back to him like hey hey buddy gotcha. <laughs> hey right hey. back at you buddy I would no, not recommend no. that. No, no, I was, uh, you're smarter. I, you're smarter than yeah, you're smarter. Just keep on, yeah. keep on moving. No, it, it wasn't smart. It was, it was really, I just didn't want to die that day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the smart part. Just keep on moving. This is not a good day to be sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so I had 17 miles to get to the bridge and I made that in about four hours. Um, and I got to the bridge yeah, and they had a guy. He's faster, he's faster, he's faster, than, he's faster than you. Yeah. <laughs> faster than us yeah <laughs> the clan would have gotten us yeah we probably could have made it in four hours yeah. we had the clan after us well and that's the thing like i stopped twice to eat and you know <laughs> 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 like hey man you want me to walk all this way i gotta i gotta fuel my body somehow you know and that's that's kind of the way i was looking at it, it was like look i'm doing the thing you let me do what i gotta do to do it um and it, they seemed amenable to that. So uh, I continued to do it. Um, Did they follow you the whole way? They followed me the entire way. And as I got close to the end, the, uh, the escorts started coming back and going the other way. And they would all like honk and, and cheer for me as I was heading towards the bridge. And I was like, well, this is really strange. This is bizarre. Um, I think they, so they weren't cheering for you. They were cheering that you were leaving. That's probably what it was. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there was a guy right before the bridge. There was a guy waiting on the other side of the road. And he just calls out as I'm going by. Hey, man, how many miles do you do a day? I'm like, uh, about 30. And uh, he's like, oh, all right. Have a good one. <laughs> Bizarro. It's a different oh, one. Okay. <laughs> and so I finally get to the bridge. And it's a really long bridge. I mean, this... The Ohio Mississippi's river. a big river. <laughs> well, I mean, this was actually the Ohio River. Oh, okay. Already crossed the Mississippi, but it's almost as big as the Mississippi. So it's so foggy, I can't see the other side. Uh, and in my mind, I'm like, well, okay, they're just on the other side waiting to slaughter me when I get over there, you know. Um, so at this point, I'm like, well, I guess I'll have to trust them. Uh, <laughs> that's a very comforting thought, you know. Um, so I wait for no sound to be on the bridge and I take off running and it's a very, very narrow bridge. The last warning they gave me, the, the guy pulling the logs, uh, gave me before I left was that's a narrow bridge. I wouldn't want a semi coming across with me. <laughs> and so, uh, all of a sudden I hear a semi coming behind me and over the railing I go and I'm now holding on to the side of this bridge about a hundred feet below me is this uh, raging river. And I'm like, okay, well, if I fall right now, there's no evidence I was ever in this place. And all the cars passed and I jumped back over and took off running again and repeated that about four times. And then finally I'm on the other side of the bridge and there's no one there and two cars pass. And they didn't care whether I was there or not. And I was like, I made it. I'm on the right <laughs> side of the bridge. <laughs> yeah. And I, I walk into the next uh, restaurant. 
that I get to and open the door. And the first thing they say is, hey, y'all, how you doing today? And I was, I was just so thankful and so, <laughs> so happy. And my, my, my sphincter began the slow process. <laughs> of <unclenching. laughs> um, and uh, so I'm sitting there, you know, eating and charging up electronics and, and uh, letting my mother know I wasn't dead and, you know, the basics. And uh, this guy comes over to talk to me. And so I tell him what about my trek and all that. And then we talk a little bit longer and he, uh, he seems really cool. So I, you know, like an okay person to tell this to. So I tell him what had just happened and he had zero expression on his face. Didn't say a word, pulls a business card out, slides it across the table. Well, if you have any, any more problems for the next hundred miles or so, you just have them call me. I was like, so you guys are offering me protection now? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, I didn't say anything because I right. still didn't want to die that day. But I, I, was, I was a little incredulous. Um, but I finally ended up, uh, you know, thank you. We had a little more polite conversation. And uh, I went to the grocery store and got out of there as quickly as possible. <laughs> what a story. Holy cow. It seems so much safer on the trail, (laughs) but you know, that being said, that's, uh, that's one encounter of thousands that I've had, uh, for the most part, I've met nothing but kindness and love on this, uh, on this trek. It has 100% renewed my faith in humanity. Yeah. That's that experience is not representative of the trail experience. This is why I beat that. Right. I've been to a town. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. And it's, it's, I mean, it's not even indicative of the, the non-traditional trail towns that I've come to refer to them as. Um, I may get perceived initially as some crazy homeless dude out wandering around, or uh, the best one that I've heard was a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> that's the best um, one. <laughs> that's, that's the best one. Um, uh, but more often than not people's curiosity gets the better of them they start asking questions uh and usually it's like well you know i think you're homeless but something's not quite adding up uh and i I think the best one of those was uh recently a guy told me well i saw your pat your gear and the way you move and i knew you weren't just a regular homeless guy and I was like, an irregular homeless guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I might be offended, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we joke about that. that all, all of these long trails, it's, it's homeless with a purpose. That's right. Or you homeless with a bank account. But you're, you, you've got a mission. You're, I've got a goal in mind. Now, exactly. I, we, I, I, just looking at our outline here, we, we've got enough material here in the outline for maybe three episodes. So I want to get, I want to get a commitment from you right now that we can check <laughs> right. in with you a little bit later in the trail and do another Absolutely. episode for some more stories. Is that all right? Absolutely. I mean, I've only got like 7,000 miles left, so that's right. <laughs> you got some time to kill. <laughs> okay. So Sorry, I'm busy that night. I do want to move on to, I want to hear about Nimble Will Nomad and his cabin on Flag Mountain. Tell, oh, us, tell us a little bit about that experience. And, and of course, give us, give us and our listeners the background, the context on who Nimble Will Nomad is. 
Okay, if you don't know Nimble Will, uh, you're missing out. You really are. Um, this guy's a legend for a reason. He's you know who he is? I'm not familiar with him, but I'm pretty sure he'll be on the John Freaking Mirror podcast. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to get in touch with him. I, I don't, he's not. He's not on social he media. Nomad, that, that so. He's not on social media. Yeah. Um, he does have a website, I believe. Okay. He's a legend for a reason. He's done, I believe, every national scenic trail, every national westward exp- expansion historical trail. Um, he's done the entire Route 66. Uh, I mean, and all of it since the year he turned 60. Oh, wow. He didn't do his first long hike until the year he turned 60. Yeah, there's, to there's, top there's, there's, hope, there's, there's hope for us. us. There's still time. <laughs> to top it all off, he recently again set the record for oldest to through hike the Appalachian trail, but he just, he didn't just do the AT. He did it all the way from, uh, from flag mountain, uh, from his cabin at flag mountain. He did the Penhody and took that all the way up to Springer and then went all the way up to Baxter. Um, so he did that at 83. Um, I'll be this, happy to walk at 83. <laughs> Well, you know, and he, he, that was something he pointed out to me was the only reason I can still do this is because I never stopped doing this. That's fair. And, and I was, you know, that, that made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> it does. That's uh, our goal. Yeah. Uh, but so Anyway, I, I was approaching, uh, this was on the first attempt of the infinity loop. I was, I had already gone through the, the clan encounter. I crossed through Tennessee, uh, Mississippi, Alabama. Uh, by the time I got to Alabama, it started raining by the time I got to Tennessee. By the time I got to Alabama, it was just pouring every day, all day. Um, and so I got to Flag Mountain after what seemed an interminable road walk uh, in torrential downpour. And uh, had been looking forward to meeting this man and just, you know, hearing something, something of his, his travels. And uh, so it's first thing in the morning, I break camp, I go up to the CCC uh, cabins area and I'm looking around and I don't see anyone that looks like it could be him. I have no idea where to look for him. And I'm like, Oh man, you know, I've, like I'm going to miss out on this. This is, this is kind of going to be a big black mark on, on this trek because I I'm, I'm going to miss out seeing this guy. So I just stopped and I, they had a, a faucet there. So I was filling up water bottles and all of a sudden from behind me, I hear, Hey, you want to come have a cup of coffee next to the fire? And I turn around and it's nimble will. And I'm like, oh, yes, yes. I <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you know, we sat for two, three hours at least, uh, drinking coffee next to the fire. And he still, it was just after Christmas. He still had his Christmas tree up and, um, and, you know, it was just so cozy and wonderful. And he's got one of the greatest voices that you'll ever hear. It's, you know, it, it's, it's soft and it's that, it's that relaxing old man voice. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, um, we need to get but, we need to get him on the podcast. Yeah, uh, you gotta find you gotta he's got, he's got the him. voice even better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but his, his the tales of his travels, you know, and he's one of those um, 
we all hike for different reasons, but there are some of us who are the soul searchers. Uh, and he is one of those. And uh, so, you know, to, to hear him talk about uh, going through the struggles and meeting the people and what all of it means, you know, there, we never had to explain why either of us would do this to the other, you know, it was, it, it was already understood. And, uh, you know, there came a point when I told him what I was doing and he looked at me and he said, I'm going to tell you something that I've heard a lot on my travels. That's some crazy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, we ended the visit with him reciting one of the poems he had written and uh, then he sent me off with a hug. And, you know, that's, that's still one of, like, one of my fonder memories, I guess. Uh, just stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, definitely inspiring, for sure. I can imagine. Yes. Now, Eternal, we, we skipped over it a little, bit, a little bit earlier, but how do you pay the bills? How do you finance your adventures? What, what, uh, how do you, how you bring right. in some income? Uh, right now, it's really just savings. Um, I'm hoping to begin monetizing at some point um, uh, through various means, writing and, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I have a number of gear designs that I've been kind of hashing out as I've been trekking this thing. And I would love to work with some gear companies if, you know, if any of them want to want to get up with me. That'd be great. <laughs> well, I will let uh, my sponsor know, Six Moon Designs, that you are our season four, episode one guest and the, the accomplishments that uh, you were hoping to, to do and see, see if we can get them on board. Now, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. You know, uh, like I said, it is primarily savings and, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to incorporate some more, uh, uh, residual income streams over time. Um, but that's not happening right now. And, you know, inflation's hitting us all, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now we've touched on it a couple of times, but let's go ahead and get into the infinity loop trail. I mean, what uh, it's 16,000 miles. You said you've got 7,000 miles left to do. What is, what, what is the, the Roughly. trail? I mean, tell, tell, describe it for us. Um, so it's essentially a figure eight, uh, through the country. It touches all three of the triple crown, um, it's not necessarily doing all of them. Uh, I did complete all of the CDT on this trek of it. Um, but uh, it, it is essentially linking the Triple Crown um, into a continuous footpath. And it utilizes a combination of established trails, uh, backcountry bushwhacking and some road walking. Uh, when I'm choosing road walks, obviously it's primarily I go for dirt roads, things like that. Uh, if narrow, that's not narrow available. bridges, narrow bridges. Preferably yes. Did, did, you, did you modify the trail to not include that section? <laughs> <laughs> that that is why I did not take that route on the second attempt. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. Nice. Good choice. Yes. Smart say, man. You know, I yeah, I I, 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 I well, I'm trying to be better about learning as I go. And, and, uh, the older I get, the, the more averse I am to doing stupid things. Um, and that seems to serve me pretty well. So I think I'll try and keep it up. 
<laughs> and I, Eternal, I've got a funny story because, you know, Chopper, he is usually uh, averse to doing episodes with long trail through hikers. <laughs> he just says that's that such a different mindset from him that he can't really get into it. It's, it's more power to you. Yeah. It's not my thing. It's, it's not, it's not a slam at all, but it's just not, doesn't match with his mindset. And so I, I, I t- told him about some of our, our uh, season four guests that I had lined up and I said, Hey, you want to co-host one of these with me? And he says, yeah, let's do, I, I want to do the infinity loop. And he thought, uh, well, I had Googled infinity loop trail, <laughs> just figure, okay, what the heck? And you may want to look into this because there may be a naming problem you have. There is an oh. infinity loop trail that goes around Mount Rainier. It's, oh. it's the wonderland trail with two um, times you climb the peak. So that, ah. makes the, that makes the figure eight for that trail. So you, you might have some sort of trademark things that you have to deal with. But. Well, you know, I'm not really ever intending to release the full details of my actual route. Okay. Um, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, if you're going to do something like this, that's a big part of the adventure is figuring out uh where you're going um and honestly if you can't do that then maybe you shouldn't try something like this um because it kind of comes in handy a lot uh (laughs) uh but yeah i i I suppose that might be an issue (laughs) (laughs) now eternal before before we move on to the closing segments of the episode uh, I want to spend a little bit of time and have you describe the difference between seeing the country one step at a time versus seeing it uh, at 60 miles an hour from a car window. Okay. Um, well, I, for instance, when I was approaching the Guadalupe Ridge Trail, uh, that runs from Guadalupe Peak and Guadalupe Mountains National Park in Texas to uh, Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. It's about a hundred mile trail. Uh, Guadalupe Peak is the tallest peak in Texas. All around that is flat desert. For days, I walked across this flat desert and I watched these mountains grow from a thin, faint blue line on the horizon to the tallest peak in Texas. And it, it's over 6,000 feet. And uh, people just kept, you know, if you drive there, it's okay, I'm, I'm here now and in the next, next hour, I'm at the summit, essentially. Um, you don't get that experience the way natives did, the way early settlers did, the way... Um, I, I don't know. I feel like it's a much more intimate view of the land, of the people around it, because you're forced to also interact with all the people along the way. Um, and that's really what this route was intended to do, is give, it, give me the most intimate experience of both the places and the people possible. Uh, and I, I think traveling at three miles per hour forces you to do that forces you to get intimate with the, with the place. Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier in your, when you sat down with nimble will that you, you, the two of you didn't need to explain to each other, you know, why, why you do what you do. 
But the question, the question does remain for some of our listeners out there, you know, why are you hiking a 16,000 mile hike? You know, that's a, that, that's a very common question. <laughs> um, there's no very clear or very succinct answer to it. Uh, uh, obviously a lot went into it. I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone who is totally comfortable in their normal life would ever take on a project like this. Uh, you know, it, I mentioned that this was intended to give me the most intimate experience possible. Uh, it turns out the most intense, the most intimate experience, uh, human experience I'm having is with myself. Uh, and we mentioned leveling up before it's mental and physical. I, I, I am absolutely a different person now. Um, you know, it's kind of cliche at, at this point to, to put it in those terms, but it really is, you know, I, I can not only obtain, but maintain a clarity and peace of mind. I've never been able to find under any other circumstances. Uh, this, if I'm really perfectly honest, this trek was, was all along intended to give me the space to fix the brokenness that was within me. Um, and uh, as that has progressed, uh, I, I, I find I need to make it about not, or not, make it not just about me. Um, and I, I think that's maybe an important lesson for life as well, is uh, not, uh, maybe service to others is a, a more succinct way of saying it. Uh, but really as to why, um, yeah, to fix, to fix myself, to experience this land, come to understand us as a country, uh, who we are and why, um, and uh, to experience the natural wonders that most people will never even know exist, you know? That's fantastic. You know, Abraham Lincoln, once said that you, I think you was talking about a court of law and lawyers advice to lawyers that you should never ask a question. You don't know the answer to, right. And that's that sound advice for a courtroom, but I had no idea what you were going to say when I asked that question. And I'm, I'm glad that I asked that question. That was fantastic. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> the one thing I'm I do know from all, too. from all the people that you've interviewed who do long trails, there is a common theme like that. Not to say that you have to figure something out, but there's a process that everybody on a long trail is going through and well, it's an evolution. Absolutely. It's 100% an evolution. And I, I feel like it's a, it's an expression of an inherent human quality. I mean, if you look way back, we originally began hunting by running down animals and until they tired out and then we could kill them. Um, and as we progressed as a, as a, as civilizations i suppose then you start to see it in in every culture throughout the world every religion basically uh walkabouts and aboriginal uh culture um catholic rosary gardens prayer gardens uh uh hindu uh pilgrimages uh, christian pilgrimages uh really i feel like this is a pilgrimage 
Um, and some hikers that I was with on the CDT last time, um, we would jokingly refer to the great hippie migration. Uh, but, but uh, you know, it really is kind of a pilgrimage like that. And I, I feel like the, that's something that's really ingrained in us as a species. Um, and I, I guess this trek is also just an expression of that. Hey, Eternal, you know where we are right now? Uh, pro tip time. <laughs> wow pro tip insight of the week <laughs> that's right Stephanie veteran <laughs> he knows he knows and for those people wondering hey what's what's with these little introductions who is that person introducing the different segments on the john freaking mirror pod that is my daughter my youngest daughter half calf who had uh, helped me out with doing some we tried we decided to do, do something different and and do some uh, se segment introductions. So that's that's her voice on there. If you're watching us on YouTube, I don't know if it's coming through on YouTube, but you can definitely hear it on the on the podcast. Oh, I hope. I hope. We'll see. It's a new. It's some new new uh, equipment that I'm using tonight. <laughs> we'll, new toys. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it comes out. But yes, you're right. It is. It is uh, time for the pro tip inside of the week, where Sorry, I turn I to you and ask it. you to share some trail <laughs> wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what do you have for us, Eternal? Um, hmm. get comfortable, learn to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. I think that's the best advice I can give. Um, because you're going to be uncomfortable if you're doing a long trail at any point. Uh, there are more often than not, you're going to be uncomfortable. Um, it's not the, it's not the Instagram life. It's not the, the great views and the peaks most of the time. It's all the stuff in between that you have to walk. Uh, and a lot of times that's uncomfortable. For instance, the uh, snow cave and things like that, or you know, walking through torrential downpours for a month. I mean, anything like that, the more comfortable you can learn to be, um, and sometimes it's just saying, ah, screw it. <laughs> you know, I'm already wet. I don't care. I'm just going to keep walking. <laughs> A lot of times that's all it is. That's, um, that's very, that's some great advice. That's very Zen-like. And I know we haven't done a 16,000 mile trail and there have been, been plenty of yeah. times where we've been uncomfortable and we've been uncomfortable being uncomfortable. So I think if, 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 we, were, if we were to adopt your, your uh, pro tip there and being comfortable and being uncomfortable, that, that solves a lot of problems. We're still students yeah. and you are the master. Oh, no, no. I am, no. <laughs> that is far from true. I get my butt kicked on a daily basis. <laughs> it's, how, it's how you react to it. Nice. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Eternal. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Eternal, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures out there? Uh, I do have uh, Facebook and Instagram and a new website uh, and actually have my first blog post up. Um, website is throughhikingthenation.com. And that's, of course, T-H-R-U, hiking. Of course. Um, and uh, Through Hiking the Nation is Facebook. 
Uh, and I just started TikTok. I don't know if I'm actually going to use it, but I'm going to try it out. Uh, um, and that's also you're not you are not a 15 year old girl. So we'll see how <laughs> hey, hey, out. hey, I've got a TikTok. Come on. <laughs> Um, so, uh, that's also through hiking the nation. And then Instagram is cooked photo. Cooked photo cooked as in past tense cooked. Correct. Got it. Yes. Okay. So there you have it. Uh, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments you want to share, you can send it to me at John at gmail.com. The adventure media recommendation. Jason, I'm also looking for you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, a website, uh, some kind of media that will keep our listeners connected to the outdoor uh, adventures. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Uh, well, as you know, I like to be off the beaten path a little bit. Um, so I'm going to go with Trespassing Across America by Ken Ilgunas. Um, and it's the story of his trek. Uh, along the entire length of the proposed Keystone XL pipeline. Okay, cool. Nice. What have we not asked you? <laughs> and before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell me, tell us about? Uh, I think um, the best thing I could tell you about is some of my food. Um, because I like to cook more, more than pancakes. You love pancakes and pancakes. Yes. <laughs> um, although I have been on a pancake and a quesadilla kick lately, so it's not know, a bad thing. but they're very no. similar uh, yes. in shape, yeah, right? in shape, in shape, <laughs> thickness. Is um, weird. uh, but you know, I, I think that learning some of the basics of cooking, um, would really help a lot of people on trail to basically find a lot more comfort and also uh i think addressing the the way we eat on trail we as hikers eat on trail especially these long trails uh would directly um address most of the major reasons why people have to get off trail uh injuries for instance obviously uh addressing your diet you're, if you're giving your body what it needs, it's not going to break down nearly as much or as easily. Um, uh, and doing what I'm doing, of course, that's, you know, that is something essential. You know, I'm having, I've got it down to uh, my average uh, protein intake needs to be around 0.7 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Um, recently I've been cutting a little bit of weights, uh, Chopper, get that slide rule out. <laughs> uh, I've been cutting some weight because, um, because summer's coming up and my pack is getting lighter and all that. And I, I can afford to, so I've been going closer to about 0.5 grams per kilo of body weight per day. Uh, when I want to put on some weight, it goes closer to one gram per kilo per day. Uh, about 40% of my uh, uh, caloric intake per day comes from fat. Um, carbs, I usually don't worry about. I have to uh, supplement with twice a day with a multivitamin, multivitamin. I've been incorporating uh, powdered super greens a little more recently. Um, 
uh, branch chain amino acids and protein powders are incredibly valuable. Um, those types of things make such a huge difference in addition to actually eating decent foods. Uh, and in terms of actual foods, I focus a lot on uh, complementary proteins, beans and rice, whole grains and legumes, those types of things uh, to ensure that I'm getting everything that my body needs. And so far, my body only seems to get stronger. Um, I haven't had serious inju injuries or anything like that. As long as I'm doing what my body tells me it needs, then it just keeps getting stronger and I keep leveling up. And uh, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where it's like, all right, I've only got 7,000 miles left. I, I think as long as I just keep doing oh what I'm doing, I can, I can knock this thing out, you know? Well, that, um, that that's a super interesting point because most people when on long trails, it's just about calorie intake, calorie intake because they burn so much. I really right. appreciate what you're talking about of balancing the diet and, and making sure that you do stay healthy. It's not just, I, mean, I need 10,000 calories and they're going to be made up of Oreos. Yeah. I mean, because that's, that's going to completely screw your body. Right. Uh, if you're not getting sufficient protein for one, uh, and actually one of the, um, one of the symptoms of, uh, protein deficiency in general is uh, essentially hiker hunger, um, that insatiable hunger. And I find that making sure I'm getting adequate proteins and a complete or a full complement of all the essential amino acids, then I'm able to abate the hiker hunger quite a bit. And then incorporating things like the Maillard reaction seems to help with the cravings as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just essential. If you're, if you're going to stay healthy, you, you've got to give your body what it needs. Otherwise it's going to start eating itself and you're going to break. Okay. <clears throat> Good stuff. Thank you so much. Eternal. That is a wrap from the John freaking mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family? Uh, yeah. Let me say hi to my son, Christian. Uh, uh, my girlfriend smiles. Um, uh, shout out for Gaia and Jolly Gear um, and El Coyote Quilts. Uh, and uh, oh, and also let me make sure and get Jason Mayer in there. I think he would appreciate that. Love you, brother. Um, and, and there's so many more. I mean, honestly, what I'm doing would not be possible without so many people. And there's people I haven't even met yet that are, you know, that are uh, already, I know, going to be huge influences on me. And that's, that's another thing that I learned is it, it, it's everyone. And, and I appreciate them all. Great. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're 9,000 miles in and you still have 7,000 miles left to go. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.